And I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And for just a moment, just invite the presence of God into this place. Come on, church. Right now, we need you to be center stage today. We thank you, Lord, for visitation of your spirit thus far and the anointing that rests upon us. I'm asking you, Lord God, though, to touch the remainder portion of this service today. That we will open our hearts to your word and that your word will fall on good ground. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to say thank you to all of our visitors and guests that are here today. Um, I know that people are a little fearful of uh, the spike of the COVID-19 here in Arizona. And uh, we understand all of those that have stayed home. And if you're watching us via live stream, uh, we completely understand. And, uh, but we want you to know that God's got his hand on everything. And we're going to continue to trust the Lord through all of this. Amen. Amen. It's good to have all my friends here. Uh, the Maori family, and the Tate family. God bless them. And thank you for being here in this service today. I don't want, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I just want to talk to you. You can stay right where you're at, Raina, if you don't mind. I want to talk to you for a little while on what is a father. <clears throat> this is a little emotional for me because this is my first Father's Day without my father. And there are specific moments in, in my life that I remember things that my father did. I remember when I took this church, he went out evangelizing, and every time he would come home for a short duration time, just to kind of relax from being out on the road traveling around from church to church, every time he would come to church, he would look at me and he'd say, Son, are you still preaching the Jesus name message? Yeah, Dad, I am. He said, do you still believe that people need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to be saved? Well, yeah, Dad, I still believe that. Do you believe they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins? Oh, yeah, Dad, I, I believe that too. Then he would say this. Son, there's some things that are going on around here I don't like. I'm seeing some things that I don't approve of. I said, Dad, trust me. God has given me direction for this church. He would come back two or three months later, he'd do the same thing. But I remember <clears throat> one day he was in my office and just sitting there. It was a little awkward because I'm trying to study and he's just sitting in the chair in front of the desk and he's just looking at me. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? While he's looking at me, I look at him and lock eyes and then he kind of turns his head away. And I go back to studying. He's staring at me again. Finally, I said, Dad, what is it? Oh, nothing, son, nothing at all. 
And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, there's quite a bit of time that was passing, just him staring at me. And finally, I look up and he had a tear coming down his eyes. Then he said to me, he said to me, son, if I was ever to pastor again, I would do it just like you. couldn't have given me a greater compliment than that. I just lost my father just a few weeks ago. And uh, I told my wife, I said, this is going to be a hard day for me. It's just as Corey and my children, Robbie and Raina and Coral, have shown me their love. <laughs> This love that they've shown me goes all the way into my family and goes deep into the roots of what we are and what we believe. But when my father affirmed that he had confidence and that he trusted me, it was a great compliment. So that goes in line with what I'm going to talk about today is what is a father? Because he was a great father a young man was being sentenced to the penitentiary the judge had known him from childhood for he was well acquainted with his father a famous legal scholar and author of an exhaustive study entitled the law of trust do you remember your father asked the magistrate I remember him well your honor, come the reply. And trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge said, as you are about to be sentenced, and as you think of your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? There was a pause. Then the judge received an answer he did not expect it. I remember when I went to him for advice, he looked at, at me from the book he was writing and said, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me away saying, run along, son, this book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as a lost friend. The magistrate muttered to himself and said, Alas, the father finished the book but lost his son. It was simply because 
He was absent from his son that he lost him. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. Father factor in drug and alcohol abuse. Researchers at Columbia University found that children living in two-parent household with poor relationship with their father are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or do drugs. Teens in single mother households are at 30% higher risk than those with two-parent households. 70% of youth in, in state operations institutions come from fatherless homes. I think you get the point. We have a father problem in our society. We have a father problem in this generation. Deadbeat dropout dads are the ones that are contributing to a society that have absolutely no identity. In Matthew, the sixth chapter and the ninth verse, Jesus is speaking. And he's telling them about the Lord's Prayer. And he says, when you pray, pray like this. And he says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This prayer was meant for them to receive the revelation, not only who Jesus was, but who they should become. We as fathers... We as fathers should exemplify the hallowed name of Jesus in the lives of our children. We should be showing them that this thing is sacred and it's beautiful to be able to live for God. And we don't do it just simply because we say it, but we live it as a lifestyle in front of our children so that they can see what it is to have a spiritual encounter with God. So we should, as fathers, exemplify the hallowed name of Jesus. It is our duty. It is our purpose. It is our calling. It's what we should strive to be so that our children know what it is to live a godly life. I hope you fathers are hearing me today. Because you have a great deal of responsibility upon your shoulders. But you need to start becoming the priest of your home. Where you recognize the value of what you are in the sight of your children. Then he starts breaking this down in the next few verses. The 10th verse he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
He's showing them through this prayer how to have faith. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Then he says, in earth as it is in heaven. That's faith. Teach your children how to recognize that you can have spiritual encounters with God. You can bring the things down from heaven and have an earthly experience with the Lord. He's breaking down a prayer as an example even to us. Pray this prayer so that you can give faith to your children and your offspring. Next verse, 11th verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread, bread, word, word, word. Give them word. Give them word. Next verse. And forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. Then he says, show them how to forgive. Show them how to forgive by forgiving others. Some of you are holding on to a grudge of people that are already passed on and are dead and you still hold it against them. Somewhere you got to forgive so your kids can learn how to forgive so they know what it is to say, you know, if you say you're sorry, that's okay. And if you don't say you're sorry, that's still okay. I'm still going to forgive you. Come on, do I get a witness here? Amen. Somewhere we got to get into the place where we begin to forgive so that our children know what it is to forgive and also understand how they have been forgiven by their heavenly Father. Thirteenth verse. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last thing in this prayer he's wanting us to understand is show them how to overcome temptation. The psalmist David was showing the attributes of the Father. He was saying this in Psalms 37, 25. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. David was simply saying that my father never left me. My father never forsook me. All that I have done, he still loves me. I commit adultery, he loves me. I told lies and he still loved me. I created deception and he loved me. I murdered and he still loved me. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying? That my father never forsook me. He didn't leave me, but he was always there. When my friends walked out on me, when my family members walked out on me, my dad, my father never left me. He was always there. He was there when I, when I was at my lowest point. That's what dads do. That's what fathers do. I said, that's what a father does. He shows his children that I'm going to be there through thick and thin. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't mean I agree with you, but I will be there with you through thick and thin. A father is a nourisher, a protector, an upholder. A father is defined as the patriarchs. Even many scholars believe that Jesus was the oldest of all his disciples. He physically became a father figure to them. But in John 14, 5, he begins to unfold and unpack a new idea that they had never understood. In 14, 5, he said, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Sixth verse, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is what he is. But also what a father figure should be. He was showing us what he was. But he's also showing us what a father figure should be. A father should live a life that your children can follow you. I am the way. When they don't have any idea of Jesus Christ, when they're too young to really get the concept, they ought to be able to say, I can walk in my father's footsteps. When I was a little kid, I remember my dad, when we was up in Pocatello, Idaho, they, it would snow and he would be taking steps and I was just about eight or nine years old and every time he would take a step, I would find myself jumping from footstep to footstep so that I could walk in my father's footsteps. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. Jesus was saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But he's also saying to you, your kids will never know the way to the Father until you become the way. Yeah. And until you become the truth. Until you become the life. Come on now. Amen. Your children need to see this. Our kids need to see this. I'm telling you, this is not just for the daddies biologically. I'm talking to all of the fathers in this house and all of the men in this house that when the world comes in here and they don't have a father, like Kit Carson, the church can stand up and declare that there is one that'll stick closer than a friend. A real father doesn't go out and get drunk. A real father doesn't bring, uh, uh, doesn't bring abusive uh, attitudes and spirit into the house. A real father doesn't do drugs. A real father doesn't become absent and never come home. Kids should be able to follow you. Not just your kids, but kids that have no father. But in the context of this passage they could understand Jesus as a physical father but he was trying to convince them that he was the father not so much in the flesh but who he was in the spirit that's what they didn't get so he affirms who he is in the seventh verse in the 14th chapter of John if you had known me you should have known my father also and from henceforth you know him and have seen him he says if you knew who I was you wouldn't ask me to show you the father eighth verse Philip saith unto him Lord show us the father and it sufficeth us ninth verse Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? He was showing them more than his physical being. He's trying to show them his spiritual side and who he was as God in flesh. I want to pause for a moment and say this. That men, we need to show our spiritual side to our kids. 
Because when you finally get the spiritual side, it won't be hard to come on Wednesday night. It won't be hard to show up at a service on Sunday. It won't be hard to bring your kids down to this altar. Oh, do I get a witness here today? Amen. Because the more, the more you recognize your responsibility, don't be a deadbeat dad. You need to show up and show out and be spiritual and walk with God because that's what our world needs. We don't need no more backseat drivers. We need you to get up front where you belong and become the priest of your home and be the man of God that God has chosen you to be. been so long with you and yet you don't know me he wants us to understand that there's a spiritual side to this there's a ripple effect as Corey has put it and it's going to affect your future and your kids are going to be so confused they won't know what to do if you're not careful he's showing them the spiritual side men we need to show the spiritual side of who we are to our children we need to have prayer in our homes we need to attend church. We need to show our kids how do we return tithe back to God that belongs to Him anyway. We need to show our children how we handle a marriage according to the Word of God. How we treat our kids. We need to show them that we respect them. Not that our kids are inconvenient and that they're in our way. No, you need to show your kids that you respect them. I remember when my kids were young, Corey especially, he was a talker, as you can't tell. But he, he would always want to sit at the table with the adults. And I always encouraged my kids to sit at the table with the adults. But Corey was the one we worried about. Because he would hear jokes at school that was very dangerous, especially when you had a guest speaker, an evangelist, or a missionary. But I always encouraged that. And I always tried my best to respect my kids. To show them that I love them even when they do something wrong. I would discipline them, yes. But I never pushed them away. Because the moment I would discipline them, they felt insecure. I would wrap them in my arms and say, I'm not doing this because I don't love you. I'm doing this because I love you. I'm going to try to hurry here. They were coming to Jesus and telling the Lord that we are of Abraham's seed. We are of Abraham. So how is it that you can say that we are not of you? They were the Pharisees of that time that simply lived according to the law but did not understand the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why they were very accusing because they would say things like, well, you uh, perform miracles on the Sabbath and you, you do things that are against the law of Abraham. That's what they were saying. And then in John, the 8th chapter and 39th verse, Jesus begins to say to them, 
if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. If you were Abraham's children, you'd do the works of Abraham. Now i got to unpack this a little bit so you understand it. Leave that scripture up there for a moment. They were saying that Abraham is our father. Jesus, well, if you, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. They didn't understand that because they believed they were doing the works of Abraham. They were keeping their lives to the letter of the law. But where they failed was they were so caught up in the letter of the law that they couldn't accept Jesus. And Jesus was then the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the law of the past, but I've come to fulfill the law of the future. And if you can't accept me, there is no future. Because they were living according to the past. They didn't understand that there had to be a future. And Jesus was that law. So when he comes, he shows what it is to have a relationship by mercy and grace with a law that comes in human form. Now they're trying their best to get this all figured out. And how does this work? And how has it come together? He, they said, well, we keep the laws of Abraham, but yet you may keep the laws of Abraham, but you are not his children. Because if you were, you would accept me because I am the law. Jesus was trying to show them a pattern and an example of what a father should be. And in this passage, I really believe that a father sets a pattern in the life of his children. You have made Abraham your dad, but he's not your father. He was trying to convince them that a child takes on the attributes of their father. If Abraham was your father, you would be a descendant of God the Father. Therefore, you could understand how I can be the father spiritually to you. I'm not just God in flesh, but I am God in spirit. So if you want to talk about who the Father really is, look at me, for I and my Father are one. He's trying to unfold this idea that I am not just a man. I am God in flesh so that truth can be revealed to you. And the fulfillment of Abraham's teaching is fulfilled in the body of Jesus But the Pharisees only want their truth in their little box. And they had made Abraham their father, but couldn't accept Jesus as their father. And so they made themselves another father. And that was simply to live according to the law. He was saying to them, you don't become a father just because you are biologically connected to Abraham. A father is one who is always there, loves his children, protects, directs, and will die for his children. Jesus is showing now 
how that he's willing to die as a father on a cross for his children. And so I want to make application here, and then I'm just about done. Being a dad doesn't qualify being a father. I said being a dad does not qualify being a father. There are a lot of deadbeat dads that never understand the destruction of their absence. The absence of love and the absence of protection, the absence of direction. Those children knowing that my dad would die for me, they, they, they don't get that. We have a dad problem in our society today. But in conclusion today, if you've come here today and you feel like you're all alone, and you have nowhere else to go, you feel like there's nothing to hold on to in regards to your past, the things that you've gone through simply because you're from a broken home or because you didn't have father figure or maybe even your parents deserted you let me just say this you are no accident you are no accident and I've said this and I'm going to say it again you might have been an accident in your mother's womb but you were never an accident in God's plan God had a plan for you before you was ever conceived in your mother's womb. That's why I don't stand for abortion. Because they say when the baby takes a breath, that's when they became a living being. I disagree with that. Because God had a plan before conception. And he has a plan for you. And do I think it's by accident you're here? No, I don't. I believe it's by divine appointment that God has you here today so that you can realize that your Heavenly Father is here and that if you feel like you don't have a Father, then He is here to be that Father to you. I need Him more now than I've ever needed Him before. I need my Father. I need my Father, my Heavenly Father. I need Him today. I need Him to come and rescue me. I need Him to get me out of the problems that I've gotten myself into. Come on, somebody help me. Let's all stand, but help me here. Amen. I need my Father to show up because I'm in pain right now or because I've had some ideas that are not right within my own thinking. I need my Father to show up. Hallelujah. If you feel comfortable, as they begin to sing, I'm going to give you an invitation to step forward. And I would like it if you would try to stick around, stay around your little group if you wouldn't mind. But please feel free to come down as they begin to sing.
But my heart 